Hi, what the health tech listeners? I'm your host this week, Mike Taylor, Chief Technology Officer at Radar Healthcare. This is the podcast where we tackle some of the most trending topics, ideas, best practice in health and social care. This week, we're speaking to one of our great colleagues, Jonathan Alsop, Quality and Information Security Manager. Quick intro of what Jonathan does outside of work before we delve into the subject. And Jonathan is a keen rugby fan, uh, supporting Bradford Bulls and Chef Wednesday. He's been to Disney more times than he can remember and has an eight-year-old Star Wars obsessed son called Caden. And is it Skywalker or Palpatine? Definitely Palpatine, but I'm sure he'll hate me for not saying Vader, seeing as that's (laughs) that's his (laughs) favourite. (laughs) <laughs> good lad, good lad. So Jonathan, welcome to What The Health Tech. Thank you, Mike. So today we're going to discuss the importance of security across healthcare. So where the main focus should be, keeping secure day to day, and what is so important about it. So Jonathan, to start off, it'd be great if you could give the listeners a brief overview of what's involved in your role yeah. uh, as a quality and Information Security Manager at Radar Healthcare. Yeah, sure, Mike. Um, So one of the main roles that I've got at at Radar Healthcare is to implement um, a governance structure um, into the organisation. You know, it's one of the most overlooked things when when you're considering information security. So what that will entail is going for ISO 27001 certification in particular. Um, So that is making sure that we're implementing good governance policies, procedures, Um, and looking at um, technical controls that we can bring in in order to um, improve our security posture and obviously keep our most important um, assets safe uh, with that being data. On top of that, you know, next year we're going to be looking at cyber essentials and obviously as we go further and further and further afield, you know, there are different um, certifications that we can go for that are applicable to other countries like NIST in, in America for example, yeah, and um, we're also looking at 9001, which is um, looking at quality and making sure that we can keep customer satisfaction high and provide quite a consistent service to our customers at Radar Healthcare. Cool. Um, so from your perspective, it's a wide subject, but what does um, information security mean in healthcare? Yeah, it, it, it is probably one of the most important things um, in my view. I've worked in healthcare for since 2009, you know, I've only had a five, uh, two or three year break from that. Um, it, it, information security is one of those things that is expected. So uh, when you go to a doctor's surgery, you know, you, d- you don't walk through that door and the first thing that hits your head, it isn't, oh, my data, is my data going to be kept secure? You know, what about my data? You know, a patient doesn't think about that, you know, they don't think about that when they're being wheeled into an operating theatre. So it's, it's, I think, I feel it's, it's an expectation that data should be kept secure, available and accurate. For me, those are the three key things, you know, um, in a, in a healthcare setting for what data, uh, for what data should be, you know, it's, it's it's quite, and again, I don't people I don't think people realise the value of um, the data that healthcare companies hold. You know, I don't people don't realise you know the level and depth of information that people have, and it's just it's just one of those things that just people just expect it to be kept safe, and I think that can be quite dangerous because 
that expectation because people don't talk about it. I think security can be overlooked and, and that's where the problems arise because, you know, all the bad guys out there, they want the, the high value data they mm-hmm. want the high value and they will look at organizations that don't have the financial capability to put you know good security controls in place you know that have the ability to pay for that you know pay for that technology you know so that's why you know you see in the press quite a lot you know about no matter where you are in the world you know it's not just the nhs you know you see it quite a lot in america you know, people go after those institutions because the, they think they are the easy targets and they get the most value from that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, if you look at some cases, it's got your data from when you were a child, everywhere you've lived, every, every everything you've you've done, healthcare related, is, mm. you know, from from a child right to an adult. So it's, it's, it's really high ticket data if you like it's quite vast as well dependent on depending on who you are you know some organizations can have that but some organizations might not but it's still it's still health data yeah so what how can healthcare providers ensure personal information is secure day to day i think it's just been a little bit smarter you know i've worked in previous jobs i've worked with organizations that have the ability you know they can spend two three million pound on security software and technology you know the drop of hat and don't even think about it but that's not what you know in in healthcare that ability you know is quite rarely there so looking at going back to the early point of why i got brought into radar healthcare i think looking at those compliance systems and having that dedicated person that can that can go out and, and look for those systems that are suitable to that particular organisation. You know, you don't have to pay the world to have good security. You know, they always say that, you know, the biggest, I don't like terming the word weakness, but, you know, the biggest point there where problems can arise is from an individual, you know, a poorly trained or unscreened individual um so you know all the money in the world on technology isn't going to stop that from happening so people just need to be a little bit more smarter and and invest in people you know i think if you invest in people that you will lower that risk from an information security perspective and you know you might actually retain that member of staff as well if they feel valued in that role Mm. so i had um one example similar to this was um like a like a pen test security thing Mm. And it was, um, they they walked up straight to reception and said, can I have the, I've got a meeting in the server room, can you let me in? And they walked up, let them in the server room, fail. But that that's the people. Yeah, the well, well I, yeah. like I say, I've, I've got a similar example where I worked in an organisation. Um, I'm not quite sure whether they should have shown me the pictures, but they actually showed me the pictures of computers that a pen tester had actually taken out of the building and put it in the boot. Mm. And, and 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 so look, that's that's how easy it is, and it and it is easy, you yeah. know, for for the for the for the guys that actually want to cause damage to organisations. Um. So from a radar health perspective, in terms of keeping our customers' data secure, um, what are our best practices? Well, I personally, because ultimately we are a compliance-based uh, software, you know, that looks at risk, looks at audit, um, looks at events, looks at incidents. You know, that, for me, is some of the key things from a compliance-based standard. So, you know, people might not know about 27,001. They might not know it's an internationally recognised standard. They might, you know, they might not know that 
practically every organization in the world has certification. You know, all the big players, the Googles, the Microsofts, you know, but they already know about compliance. And I think that for me was the biggest win joining the organization because winning over people in relation to compliance is the biggest challenge. Because when I when I previously was a, an external auditor, you know, auditing organizations against 27,001, you know, you used to go in and you used to talk to the compliance person and they used to be stressed, you know, they used to just say, I can't get this across to my senior leadership team, I can't get this across to the wider organization. And that's because the mindset isn't there on compliance, how important compliance is. They just see it as, you know, a tick in the box exercise. You know, I've amount of times, if I had a pound for every time I heard that, I'd be a very rich person. Yeah. Um, and they just see it as something extra to the day-to-day role. You know, they don't, you know, they're already crammed out eight till, eight till five, you know. Why do they need to care about this compliance thing? You know, they haven't got time to think about it. And that's where a good, well-implemented compliance structure does work because it shouldn't mean that anyone has to expand out, you know, their eight to five day. It should be just done as a given, if you yeah. see what I mean. And and that in radar healthcare, I personally believe that's, that's I'm already, you know, we're already there with that because yeah. of the type of organisation that we are. Um. What do you think a customer um, of Radar Healthcare would think of information security and what does that mean for them? Well, personally, from from, from a customer's perspective, you know, um, it's, it's their data. You know, if, if something happened, you know, they're almost, it's, it's almost like giving a child to a stranger. You know, you expect that person to look after that child and, you know, if, if that doesn't happen, you know, you know everyone is going to be, you know, pulled up for it mm-hmm. so from a data security perspective you know they, they they require us to keep data secure because you know quite simply if we don't you know they're also going to be on the front pages of you know the newspapers as well you know it's not just going to be radar healthcare so that they entrust us with that data to make sure that it is like a, to a previous point that it is accurate and available um, and secure so that's you know it, it, there's a level of trust there um, for us for us to do that and I think that they are opening up more to like I said the compliance based systems for what we are currently um, implementing within uh, Radar Healthcare Okay So we hear the term uh, phishing a lot nowadays so what does that mean and what are the best practices a business can put in place and how can we ensure employees know what to what to look out for but also what to do Yeah well for me, so so phishing is basically a bad guy that's external to the organisation. You know, they could be trying to gain access to information. They could be trying to gain access to infrastructure, systems, software, you know, you name it within that organisation. It's not just a person, isn't it? It's no. quite sophisticated yeah. bots. Yeah, it could be bots, it? it can be yeah. person, you know, because they will literally just, you know, send it out to... It's like anything in it. If you send an email out to a million people, you know, it's only... You only require a tiny, tiny percentage of that million people, you know, to get what you're after. And Cast, by casting a net, hence, it, hence the name. It, it is, yeah, it is. It is casting a net, and unfortunately, you know, it, information security breaches mainly do come from phishing attacks. You know, and some of them are really. You can get the most sophisticated phishing attack in the world. 
but you can also get the ones where you look at them and you almost laugh you know they're, they're so poorly put together you know so one of the things that you always used to get told from a fishing you know you can you can tell you you know it, it's poorly written you know it might not use an individual's name it might not come from the individual's email address you know the the key things to look out for. I personally feel yes, that is the case to some phishing attacks, but I've seen some really quite sophisticated um, attacks. Um, one in particular, you know, I did see an email that came into Radar Healthcare. Look, you know, we spotted it. We spotted it straight away. Nothing happened, and you know, you know what? Um, it was really well crafted, and and to me that that was a really successful outcome. Because, you know, something bad could have happened from that. And just to pick up on your point on how, how to stop it, you know, th- there are many systems out there that do simulated phishing attacks. And I think that they are excellent tools. You know, if you get the right one, they are, they are brilliant. And what, I don't like terming the word paranoia, but it does, you know, if you have an individual that clicks on a simulated phishing attack, it's not real. It's not going to cause any damage to the organisation. But... I can bet your bottom dollar that that individual, the next time that they receive an email that they might not, you know, be that might be quite unsure about, they ain't going to click anything within that email. Mm-hmm. They're going to report it, and that's what you that's what you should do, and that's what you know helps organisations stop those type of attacks. And you know there is, you know, the technology as well that can actually stop these emails from coming through. But you know we get in into such a sophisticated stage, you know, people are, are able to bypass that. So it's, you can't you can't depend on technology controls in place to stop those emails ending up with the end user. You have to, I personally think the number one thing is to concentrate on um, the awareness of the individual. Yeah, I agree on that one. Do you think it has um, got more sophisticated? One, one from obviously, um, you know, it's worth them doing, obviously, that to get hold of this data, they can really mm. cause a, a, you know, some some damage. But do you also think because of the likes of social media and um, various different channels of communication, that they can find that you know, they can target a CEO, they can find out his persona, how he writes, and yeah. then potentially mimic mm. their yeah. language and. But yeah, abs- absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't realise that, you know, you put pictures on LinkedIn, for example, you know, getting a fake mobile number and copying that picture across to to WhatsApp and then sending, you know, messages out to people within the organisation from whose numbers will be publicly accessible on LinkedIn if you've set it that way. You know, it, it's easy. It, it, I like, yeah, I think in a way, yes, it is sophisticated, but it's also easy. And I think that's I think that's a big danger that, you know, it's so I think a lot of companies have to stand up to this because, you know, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to hide. You know, if you're a user putting data into um, a social media site, it can be quite difficult to know how you configure it to hide that data and have an understanding of how publicly accessible that data is. You know, is Mm -hmm. it is it your connections? Is it your friends? Is it everybody? You know, I have people, I have connections on some sites and, you know, you, you go on, I've, I've never even spoke to them. I don't know who they are. They're, they're quite high up in organisations and all you have to do is scroll down and straight away you've got a business email, a personal email, yeah. a phone number, 
you know, a Twitter handle. You've got everything about them, you know, and you've you've got that attack surface there through quite little investigation. Yeah. When you couple that with, uh, you know, these bots and everything that troll these social oh, media absolutely. platforms, it's... Uh, well, it's easy because look for just key bits of information. Yeah. Look for key bits of information, and it does it for them. You know, you know, set it going, and at the end of whatever you've got it done, you've got this trove of trove of information. You yeah. know. Um. So, as we've been talking about, um, with the best will in the world to keep things secure, sometimes breaches do happen. Um, can you tell our listeners how you would recognise security breaches and tips to tackling the breach? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes a breach it is it. It's quite difficult to actually see whether it is an incident or a breach. You know, I like to look at. I like to concentrate on the weakness before the breach actually occurs. You know, uh, think of it always. Always think that the bad guy has got something. You know, it might be a weakness, but always think that the the bad guy has got something because you, it's best to think worst case scenario. If you just concentrate on the they might have, you know, it might be a slow investigation, you know, it, you might park it for a bit, you know, you might find out that, you know, in, in a month's time, oh, God, you know, we did actually have a security breach there. So I think the key for me is always think that a breach has happened, but also actively, proactively manage those weaknesses within your organisation, you know, those things that the, the bad guys could get hold of to potentially cause that that breach i think i think i saw in the a website i was reading the other day that you know a bad guy can sit inside your network i think on average it 200 and 200 and odd days before they actually get they actually get found out mm. so you, you're not actually realizing that you know thinking that a breach has taken place it's better to think that something's happened and then investigate and go oh no we're secure mm-hmm. than thinking mm, i don't think anyone's got in yeah um, and I think I think that's quite I think that's quite um, quite key, and also isolating the issue as well because you know sometimes it could be quite clear that a breach has taken place. So any kind of IT staff infrastructure, you know, isolating them away from the normal, you know, the actual BAU organisation and and protecting that because you know there's criminal proceedings and things like that, and obviously. You'd have um, the ICO that would come in and perform an investigation. So having that, you know, in a safe environment for them to perform, you know, what necessary investigation, you know, they need to do is, is quite is quite key. Okay, so we spoke about um, like breaches and, t- and issues and things that can go wrong. Um, if we flip that on its head and look at um, things done really well, so if you've got an example of anything that's exceptionally well that people could take away and yeah. implement? Well, some of the things that I, I like, I like seeing people think outside the box. You know, I've, I've been to, um, I, I refer back to when I was an external auditor again, you know, you get, you go out and you see the, you know, the real gold star organizations that have billions in the bank, you know, they'll go in, Oh, we fixed this problem. We spent 50 million pound on X, Y, and Z. And you know, brilliant thanks but not every organization can do that um one organization in particular and i always used to refer back to this because it always always it made me smile and you know what as an auditor it made me stop and read as well and not often do you do that um and it was an organization that actually ran a poster campaign for um information security so what what he'd done is he'd um 
publicised um, a competition, a £50 um, Smith Toys voucher um, for children to develop a, an information security poster. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure uh, yourself and all our listeners can know that the most competitive people in the world are those who are parents. And, you know, every man and his dog wants their kid to win. And he ran this campaign uh, and he, he, he ended up getting, I think, um, two posters. He, could, he couldn't tell the difference between two, which one would win. Ultimately, he gave one to the security unicorn. And, you know, I remember it being up on the wall and, and I was walking and I, it just caught, completely caught my eye. I walked up to it and I read it. And there's not many times that I've actually done that whilst I've been out on an organisation because, you know, poster campaigns and information camp security campaigns can be quite, you know, let, let's not beat around the bush. It can be a bit dry, a bit bland, a bit black. You know, I've seen people pay um, hundreds and thousands of pounds for poster campaigns, I've never read them. You know, they've not caught my eye. They have not made me stop and read what was there as much as what this did. It cost the organisation £50 in a, 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 a Smith's Toys voucher. That's all that it cost them. Mm. But it made me stop and listen. And I, I, I looked and I thought, you know, if it's doing that to me, it must be doing that to other people. Mm. So they've served a purpose and it's cost them £50. You know, that's that's nothing. You know, if that £50 helps somebody think about information security, if that helps that individual not do something that puts information at risk, I think we all should be spending that £50. Definitely, definitely. So I feel like there's a bit of a common trend here. It's like, I think when people look at information security, they always think about the systems um, I mean, me and you have spoken about multiple times um, before, but it's the people. Um, and then making those people aware. So if we are, for that example there, and um, just making people aware that these things happen, like the fishing and stuff like that, if people are just put in these situations, then they can... Um, they're already aware, they're already looking for it and go, hang on, that doesn't mm. seem quite right. Mm. I think that's a... Yeah, I think one of the key things for me as well is making it, uh, pitching it in a way that an individual can take it home and use it in the house. You know, I saw one I saw one client once, and, it, it, it was, and they pitched their, their campaign of information security starts at home. And, you know, they, you know, if they can get that good practice of someone, you know, keeping secure data secure in their own home they're probably going to bring that into the working office environment you know <clears throat> and I, I quite like that as well you know you, you, there's quite a big pickup of of that happening you know that people are concentrating quite you know quite heavily on people's personal lives and trying to trying to work on that because it's something that they will bring into the workplace yeah that's cool we've got some really good tips there so um at the end of the each episode we ask everyone to describe their what the health tech moment. So this is a question, it's a bit of fun, um, and we want to hear your weird and wonderful stories that you've experienced in a health and self, social care, um, or in this case, security um, sector. If you can think of anything weird and wonderful, what's made an impact on you, a life-changing moment, for example, in this, mm. this? 
Well, it's not really applicable to, to, to health tech, but as we, were, as we were discussing previously, you know, one of the strangest information security moments that probably happened to me was when I, when I visited, I was at a client site and I, I visited the, the bathroom, you know, my girlfriend will constantly tell me that, you know, you never switch off, you never switch off. Well, clearly I don't because at, at that particular time I did actually see a 360 degree CCTV camera directly above me that was recording my every movement so I must admit that was that was one of the and when people tell me that I don't switch off I tell them that's the reason why because you know information security can be all around us so filming you in inside the cost uh, the client's toilet yeah it was yeah it was covering it was covering everything within the the bathroom area so yes I must admit the conversation that I had when I left said facility was was <laughs> was quite strong there's definitely a joke in there about a zoom lens, but oh no, uh, don't please don't. <laughs> <clears throat> right, so thanks for joining this week, no, and thank thanks for, for thanks for listening. Um, next week we're going to hear from Radar Healthcare's Mark Fuster and Judy Walker from ITS Leadership, who will be discussing after action reviews and how they contribute to patient safety. So don't forget. Rate and subscribe wherever you, you hear these podcasts or, or view them. And if you have any questions for us, our guests, please do email on whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>